Well, hey, Sound Life, it is Pastor Susie and Pastor Caleb here, and another week of how we can apply the word that we heard preached to us. I got to hear Pastor Darren preach the word in Ording, and he did a great job, and you preached on Sunday, heard some great things about the message, and um, we just want to get into what are practical steps we yeah. can do even this week to start applying this. Yeah as we kind of wrapped up our series on the next generation and how we can yeah. really help them to be devoted disciples. Yeah, some of this, um, to be honest, is informed by my experience as a youth pastor and watching so many students that God was moving in their lives not have the greatest examples from yeah. Christians that had gone before them. And what I mean by that is, unfortunately, sometimes their parents or mm-hmm. or other leaders in the church were, were not examples of real devotion to Jesus. They were more examples of, like, Jesus being compartmentalized mm-hmm. into a corner of your life. And, you know, one of those things is is that element of living in light of the larger spiritual reality. You know, yeah. you know the difference in someone's life when they're living in light of that spiritual reality or they're living for this world and fitting in a little bit of spirituality, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and no one gives you a book on parenting. Or, no, no. You know, there's a you know a lot of information out there on mentoring, but you know this is this is an important thing that we need to talk more about how to do well. So I've really appreciated it. You know, for the same reasons, and and even though I I think I had some good mentors, you know, I want to be even better. We always want to yeah. grow. Yeah. And so we really talked about these three kind of things we're responsible to teach the mm-hmm. next generation. Yeah. And, um, you know, pulling that out of Second Timothy 4, it, Paul's reminding Timothy of the most important things, his kind of last yeah. letter, last last words. Yeah. And, and this is really it, which is kind of interesting when you think about it. This is the big deal to Paul that he's yeah. passing on. Like, make sure yeah. you pass this stuff on, Timothy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that idea of... That idea of living in light of the authority of God, the presence of God, the judgment of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, all those things really lend to the theme throughout the Old Testament that that is meant to be one of the lenses we read the New Testament through. Um, it, the fear of the Lord, mm-hmm. right? And that's a that's a major concept brought to light in the book of Proverbs, uh, where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. <clears throat> wisdom is is living this life in light of the principles of God, living this life well. And so, uh, you know, to sum all that up, that to live in light of the authority, the reality, the presence, the judgment of God helps us live this life really well. Mm-hmm. It leads us to wisdom. And um, so that's kind of where Paul starts is like challenging Timothy, like, hey, I'm challenging you not by my own name or by our own relationship, but in light of the presence and reality and authority and judgment of God. Mm-hmm. And that's something we don't think about nearly enough. We kind of think we're not we're not really accountable to anybody but ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe occasionally like a police officer or <laughs> a, a, a government law, yeah. right? And even that we're not always, you know, super enthusiastic about. Yeah, true. Uh, that is one of the things that I mean, around the world, Americans are kind of known for is mm-hmm. not really liking the rules. <laughs> yeah, not, not liking authority. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even that idea, that that first point of that we're responsible to teach the next generation to live their daily lives in light of the larger spiritual reality, just that idea that 
that there's more to life than what we see is mm-hmm. really hard for us to yeah. grasp. I think, I mean, we get it wrong more often than we get it right just because we can't see the spiritual reality. Totally. And so to teach that to the next generation, I mean, it seems really hard to do when it's even a struggle for our, us to live yeah. that way. So how do we really put that into action? How have you, you know, taught that maybe even to your kids? Yeah. I think, you know, it's cool. one of the things I love about the upcoming generation is there is a little bit more of an openness to the spiritual. Yeah. I think because they're realizing that a lot of the modern and postmodern, very scientific-oriented, non-mystical solutions to our problems have not been enough. Yeah. Right? And they recognize there's more to life. Like, they're recognizing the realities of a human soul, a human spirit, human relationship that cannot be defined by, you know, mathematic formulas mm-hmm. and scientific formulas, you know, there's something more to life than just biology. Yeah. Um, so I love that about teenagers, young adults. They, they're, they're open to some things out there that they didn't learn in a science book. Yeah. Um, with my own kids, I think sometimes it's just, you know, we've always tried to talk in terms of the fact that uh, what Jesus did on the cross and in the resurrection matters both for eternity and for today, um, we try to talk like Jesus is there all the time. And maybe an example of that is, I, I mentioned it in one of the services, um, you know, even when they do something kind of mean to each other, <laughs> which, you know, siblings do, right? And, and we make them apologize and forgive and all those things. And you know how siblings are. They're not always super uh, enthusiastic about those moments. Yeah. So if we see a trend, right, we see like a repeated behavior, not just like a one-time kind of slip of frustration, we'll just, we'll kind of point that out. We'll say, hey, you know, we've kind of talked to you about this like a few times in the last couple of days or weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is, I'm nervous this is becoming a heart issue, like a bad habit. And you need to talk to Jesus about that. Jesus is the one who's going to help you not let this become who you are. And you need to apologize to him because he didn't make you to do that. He loves your sister, your brother, yeah. whatever. And then you need to ask for his help. And often, it's funny how how despondent they are <laughs> in their own apology to each other. If they go and we'll say, hey, go go kneel by your bed and just talk to Jesus about how you're feeling. Talk to Jesus about what you've done. Yeah. Tell him you're sorry. Ask him for his help. It's amazing how often there is an emotional response, sometimes tears or mm-hmm. sometimes just like a like a softness of heart. Yeah that comes out of a humility rather than that kind of hardened, like, I'm sorry, I forgive you, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that just helping them have these moments where like, hey, go to your room and talk to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like they know they're supposed to go to a quiet place with no other people and actually talk to someone they can't see. Yeah. And then they feel that in their spirit. Mm -hmm. They feel that. They feel sometimes the weight of sin. Yeah. They feel the the presence of God mm-hmm. in, in confession and in forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And they feel a genuine remorse. Like, I don't want to be that. I want to be who Jesus wants me to be. Yeah. And a lot of that comes without us saying a ton. Mm-hmm. It's just having them have to come face to face with God and nobody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we don't do often enough in our culture is to have quiet moments with yep. no music, no podcast, no friends. Mm-hmm. And just say, God's here what would I, what should I say to him? Yeah. You know, what, what should I say to him and what might he be saying to me? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think 
one of the best things we could do for young people, whether it's our kids, a student we're mentoring, mm-hmm. a, a disciple, a coworker we're discipling, um, is to one demonstrate with them some quiet times before the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and two, encouraging them or, or you know, calling them mm-hmm. to have some of those alone times themselves mm-hmm. with a, with some minimal instructions. Hey, go talk to the Lord about this. And they go fill in the blanks, yeah. you know. Um, I think that could be healthy in them just acknowledging the reality of God. Mm-hmm. And with it comes that reverence, that that biblical fear of the Lord that leads us to living well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what really struck me as you're, you're explaining that is just how much we don't do that as adults. That, you know, when we sin, I mean, I guess I'll speak for myself, yeah. you know, it's, it's so easy to brush past it and say, yeah. okay, I messed up, I'm moving on, mm-hmm. and not really sit with the weight of, like, the spiritual reality of the totally. consequences. And so maybe even just making sure that's a personal practice. Yes. And until you are really, like, grasping spiritual realities yourself, you're not going to be able to pass that on to the yeah. next generation. So it's good. maybe that's where we have to start. Yeah, recognizing the weight, like Jesus, sometimes I have to remind myself, like, Jesus died yeah. for me. Yeah. And and actually died for some of the recent thoughts, words, right. decisions I've made. Yeah. And, and sit with the weight of that. And then the other side of it is sometimes I have to, like, stop and, and think, and Jesus forgave me. Like, mm-hmm. Jesus washed me clean. Like, I am actually not, I don't have to be accountable for that anymore in the way that I would have had he not gone to the cross. I mean, those are pretty heavy things. Yeah. I think that I don't do that enough. Mm-hmm. And when I do, I'm, it brings everything back into focus. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for, you know, for teenagers that we walk through that stuff with, their their perspective is so hard to shift sometimes just because of all the changes that are happening in their life, the yeah. hormones, the yeah. brain development. Like, it's just, it is an uphill battle, but I think just like, don't stop fighting the battle yeah. of changing their perspective of saying, hey, is this, you know, is this going to matter to you in five years? Yeah. You know, is this is this going to really make a difference? You know, and even just just saying like, man, is this a spiritual battle that's happening? You know, you're you're having conflict with your friends. Mm-hmm. You know, is is the devil trying to win here and break mm-hmm. relationships? You know, I think. Just asking them some of those questions that can change their thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they often like quickly get there. Hmm. Like they don't. It doesn't always take them a long time, yeah. but sometimes I think at least I'm like, man, they're not gonna get there. Mm-hmm. I almost count them out, discount them before I've yeah. even like tried. Yeah. And I'm sure as a parent, like yes. it's so easy to be like, okay, we've had this conversation. I've trained them. I've yeah. taught them. I'm so sick of this. Yeah. But to never give up, I mean, you just can't yeah. stop. Yeah. One of the other things I, I try to do, and I'm reminded by how you're talking about this, of this, is I so often jump to fixing the problem. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, my wife will tell you, Caleb <laughs> Caleb just wants to fix it, and I just want him to listen, right? Common, yes. Common relationship challenge. Totally. Well, sometimes with my kids, it's the same thing. How do I fix it? And when I'm being more spiritually minded, I realize the opportunity to teach them a spiritual principle simply by praying first before right. I try to fix anything. Yeah. By saying like, man, that is hard or this is a problem mm-hmm. or this is a challenge or gosh, that, yeah. that's, this is a mess. Yeah. 
let's pray and ask the Lord for help. And and it demonstrated to them it's God first. Mm -hmm. Like we need him. And this is happening in the reality of him before we try to fix anything. Yeah, my parents were super good at that growing up, and that's something I I am not always good at, but um, it is, I mean, even for, like, simple things, mm-hmm. like a headache or something, just praying first, yeah. just, it recognizes that spiritual reality yeah. and the power of God to move in every area of our life, so that's a really good point. Yeah, and if you're a doer, if you're kind of yeah. a doer personality, you got to slow yourself down. Yeah. And, and make sure you're putting God first in those moments. And then use those spiritual gifts he's yeah. given you. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, the one of the other parts that we talked about of things we have to teach the next generation is teach them to keep their eyes on the prize mm-hmm. um, in light of just what they're living in, in light of the world that we exist in and, you know, oftentimes even the suffering that yeah. they walk through. Yeah. How do we equip them to do that? Yeah. Well, I, I think there is this pervasive um, kind of depressed view of our society mm-hmm. right now and, and for some legitimate reasons, yeah. right? There's like a discouragement setting in um, and, and that's kind of true of like, it's kind of that result of postmodernism and like really the, 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 the enlightenment coming full circle of human beings kind of feeling like we can solve all of our own problems. Mm-hmm. And since the Enlightenment, so for a few hundred years now, in Western civilization, we've jumped from thing to thing saying we can solve our problems with industry and economics. We can solve our problems with education and philosophy. We can solve our problems with politics or money or mm-hmm. fill in the blanks, right? Yeah. We can solve our problems with science. All these things have been God-given human tools that we've thought, well, we don't need God to fix us. We can fix us. Yeah. Well, what's happening in our society, I think, is just, and, and I'm a lot much smarter people than me think this, so <laughs> take it take it with a grain of salt, um, but uh, is that, that that kind of postmodern and like getting over the hill of that postmodernism is there's just this like hopelessness of like, man, we've tried everything we know to do and we have more problems than we did before. And I think the younger generation is kind of getting raised in that pervasive hopelessness. So we see all these these high levels of depression, anxiety. I mean, that makes sense if you're growing up in a yeah. world where it feels like it's hopeless. So I think one of the things is just pointing people, like we need to recover what the older generation knew as the blessed hope, Yeah. right? Like the hope of God restoring everything. Mm-hmm. And, and with that comes the hope that he's restoring some things right now mm-hmm. if we will get in sync with him. Yeah. Like if we'll seek first his kingdom, mm-hmm. he will take care of the other things in our lives. And so I think that that is a big part of helping them keep their eyes on the prize is like, hey, yeah, the world's broken, but it's not hopeless. Mm-hmm. Broken is not hopeless when God is as good at fixing things as he is. And so I think we need to keep that in front of our kids. And and that gets to, brought to bear with young people when they don't get the job they wanted their boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with them, so the relationship they thought would be yeah. a long-term is not, right? When they don't get the grades or get into the college they wanted mm-hmm. or, or you know, even in little things, right, that, hey, the world's broken, so sometimes it hurts. Mm-hmm. But, man, this is all part of, like, God is going to more than make it up to you. Yeah. And that's where the prize comes in is we... Um, 
I mean, C.S. Lewis is the famous Western thinker for pointing this out, but he's like, sometimes in our in our desire to not let sin control us, we forget that like there is a godly ambition. Mm-hmm. There is a godly search for reward. There is a pursuit of the happiness and the pleasure and the joy and the glory that only God can give yeah. that's actually a healthy part of the Christian life. Jesus wanted to motivate us to pursue something. He wasn't just like this, the minute you desire anything good for yourself, it's sin. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. There are certain things we desire that are sin, but we can desire the right things that are pleasurable and mm-hmm. rewarding. And Jesus is totally fine with that, particularly the eternal things that come with relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point of, of helping the next generation know what the prize is. Yeah. Because so often we think the prize is like a comfortable life. The mm-hmm. prize is things here and now. The prize is my family being healthy. The prize mm-hmm. is all those easy life things. Mm-hmm. But that's the prize is Jesus. Yeah. You know, that's the prize. Yeah. We need to work at debunking the American yeah. dream. Yeah. And, and praise the Lord for some of the resources and blessings he's given us. We are responsible for how we use them, mm-hmm. and they are not meant to be the end goal. Yeah. They are, at best, a glimpse of a far greater joy, pleasure, glory that awaits us in eternity. And I think to define the prize, I think that there are relational terms in Scripture. There are financial and kind of property-oriented terms that probably are more uh, analogies and metaphors than they are like, you know, God literally has a house built for you mm-hmm. and... God literally has, like, you know, wealth and jewels and crowns for mm-hmm. you. I mean, maybe. And yeah. I, I, I could, I'm totally open to being wrong <laughs> because some of the pictures in Revelation, you're not sure if those are accurate, yeah, totally. literal or symbolic. Yeah. Um, bottom line is, either way, God has in mind for us greater than earthly kings mm-hmm. is kind of the idea. Like, whatever the best, most powerful, wealthiest people on earth can attain for themselves, God has better for you. Yeah. And I love the passage in Ephesians where, um, you know, I just love the phrase. He, he says, you know, God has for you better than you can ask or imagine. Right, yeah. And I think that he, he's speaking of that actually in terms of in this life, mm-hmm. he has better for us than we can ask or imagine. So if you take that to eternity, yeah, that's a great question to ask young people. So like, What's the best you can imagine? Mm-hmm. God has better. Yeah. Totally. What's the best that you could ask for? God has better. Mm-hmm. So every time you're asking and imagining, remember, if God doesn't give that to you when you yeah. ask for it, it's because he has better, not mm-hmm. worse. Yeah. And then I think we just are in a kind of another piece of this is that we're in such a we're in such an immediate gratification, mm-hmm. instant gratification culture, realizing that sometimes those good rewards you wait for. Um, Sometimes there's even suffering in the process. And I think we can help our kids and our young people by pointing out earthly examples, right? Like we've heard the examples of like, hey, um, athletes, they put their bodies through a lot to be in as good a shape as they are. Right. Um, You know, we talk about really intelligent people. How much did they study Mm -hmm. and read and work to be uh, the intellectuals and academics that they are. Yeah. 
So there's very few even earthly examples of greatness that didn't come with a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think even just explaining that in your own life to people you're mentoring or the next generation, like, yeah, I'm really, you know, I got a lot on my plate right now because God's called mm-hmm. me to this or because this is where God's yeah. directing me. I think being open to talking about that, sometimes we're just... We're so focused on like, yeah, I'm so busy. Yeah. But not talking about the why. Like yeah. I'm I'm busy why? Because I'm yeah. doing what God's called me to do and, and it's not always fun. But, yeah. But totally. it's it's got a reward ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I, I sometimes will ask myself or other people that use the like, man, I'm so busy. Like, are you busy with the right things? Right. Like are you busy with things you're gonna be proud of later? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a piece of it too, is that question, hey, when you're you know, retirement age, are you going to be glad for what you worked for? You know, when you're a grandparent, are you going to be glad at what you sowed into your family? When you're at the end of your life, are you going to be glad at what you invested your life in? Well, that becomes exponentially more important when you think not just at the end of this life, but in eternity. Mm -hmm. How are you going to wish you would have invested your life? Yeah. And as we live that out, I mean, that's the example. That's how we teach the next generation. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's tough, but it's, it's, um, setting that example for them and, and talking with them about it. That's how you, how you teach that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the suffering piece that you mentioned, and we talked about that a little bit on Sunday is one of the most important things. Mm -hmm. And it's where we demonstrate what it looks like to go through pain. Um, and I think it's just important that that even in in talking about suffering with joy, recognizing yeah. the eternal reward, not to minimize suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there have been mistakes made in Christian history where we've tried to minimize or like, you know, or or, or unfortunately the the um, kind of health, wealth, and prosperity movement. Like if you're suffering, you don't have enough faith. Yeah. Or you know things. I mean, you never want to get into that because yeah. that's not scriptural. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does it look like to suffer with joy? I think is a is a question we've got to rediscover. Yeah. In our generation, we've tried to we worked so hard at avoiding suffering. Mm-hmm. We've kind of just equated all suffering as evil. Whereas some suffering is evil mm-hmm. and some suffering actually is very fruitful and beautiful and productive and God commits to making all of our suffering fruitful and meaningful and productive if we'll put it in his hands. Yeah. So that, you know, we're going to have to relearn that. And, and we have examples, you know, we have examples of that among us. Um, but that's a hard thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't pretend to, you know, be the, the pro on that. But I, I think when we talk about suffering with joy, um, my hope would be that people don't suffer alone. Yeah. They don't suffer in silence. Like we need to lean into each other mm-hmm. in the church when we're suffering. Yeah. Um, and I think that suffering and joy doesn't mean you love every moment, but it means mm-hmm. that you recognize the value and, and you constantly keep your eyes on the prize. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad would tell the story about his grandpa who was just in his, you know, he was basically on his deathbed and he remembers as a kid going to visit him and his granddad just wanted to talk about like he couldn't wait to see Jesus. And my dad was looking at his body thinking like, man, he looks horrible. <laughs> He's clearly in pain. You know, he had, you know, multiple issues going on. And and yet his granddad, he just remembered like it was weird how 
excited he was about Jesus. Yeah. And I think that... You know, sometimes in our society, the only examples of that real suffering we have are in a medical situation. Yeah. Um, there may be others as, as, you know, culture gets a little less and less friendly towards scriptural truth and stuff mm-hmm. like that. We may face other kinds of struggle or trial or, or difficulty. Um, but to take all of that with like, okay, the Lord has a plan for this. Yeah. Like he's going to make this up to me. And in the meantime, he's going to use this for his glory mm-hmm. and for the good of other people and to take joy in that, Yeah, I think, is the, is the challenge that we, we have to face and we have to just not minimize it and not go through it alone. Yeah, I think that's so good. And, and that's what the church is for, mm-hmm. to go through it together and, and to see those examples, too. Yeah. I mean, some of the like most encouraging people in our church mm-hmm. are the ones who have been through it and yeah. have remained faithful and... You know, teenagers, kids, mm-hmm. they notice that. Yeah. They know, hey, I saw that person lose their spouse. Yeah. And they remain faithful and they have joy. And, yeah. you know, so I think that that's a really, yeah. really powerful. One thought that comes to mind as you say that, I was at a memorial service for an amazing woman in our church um, who, who's who been a part of our church longer than you and I have been alive. Yeah. You know, that's always humbling. Totally. Um, and over the course of that, you know, raised her kids in the faith and, and they're saved. And, you know, one of them is a missionary and they're all involved in church. And then she also, though, went through the death of two husbands wow. before she passed away. Mm-hmm. Right. So she she didn't have an easy life. Yeah. Um, and the, the thought crosses my mind sometimes when I go to memorial services. As a pastor, I go to a fair, mm-hmm. a fair amount of them. I we intentionally take our kids to them, not all of them, but yeah. we intentionally take our kids to them. Why? Because sometimes you hear more about the way someone lived and what they actually lived through than you will ever see following them on social media. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And it just tells that story of a life well lived. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you hear the story of a life that it doesn't take, you know, older than a kid to know, oh, man, I don't know that that was yeah. the best they could have done with that life that yeah. they were given. So I think that that's actually a great tool to families mm-hmm. is don't don't hide your kids from some of those healthy exposures to the fullness of human experience yeah. and and let them absorb, mm-hmm. you know, some of the good and the bad and, and make decisions accordingly. Yeah. Absolutely. Great teaching moments, at least. Yeah, that's true. It's really true. Well, you know, we want to wrap this up and it's been a great series and hopefully it's been challenging you to find somewhere to mentor and to help the next generation. And just remember that Colossians 3.17, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the, of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to him as you do all of it. And, Amen. And we'll see you next week.